1: Good morning everyone, I'm Toddie Herman, welcome to Eye on Real Estate. As you know, it's the best real estate show on, it gives you a lot of information and everyone knows and everyone wants to know about real estate, it's the hottest topic and I consider it the universal language. Okay, of course today we're joined by the show's co-host for the first hour, resident legal expert attorney Stephen Ebert a partner at the prestigious firm, Cassin & Cassin. Um And you, of course, know to always tune in at 10 to 12. We love hearing from you. We love hearing about from you, okay? I uh, just had my mic fall, so you'll have to excuse me for a second. And, okay, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, just go to Dottie Herman. I do have a monthly newsletter you can sign up for. It's free at www.dottieherman.com. Com okay. We have two great guests for you this week. We have uh, at eleven we'll be joined by Palm Beach Daily News Real Estate Reporter Darrell Hoffanitz, and he's one of the best reporters here, and since I see a lot of New Yorkers here at least for a couple of months, he's gonna tell you what's going on here. And then eleven thirty we will be joined by Douglas Sullivan's very own, Richard Ferrari, who is the president and CEO of New York City, and I consider him a great friend. And he's also the CEO of the whole North region. He's got a big job on his hands. Okay, Uh, we have a great show for you today, and I have so much information. But before we do that, um, last week we were talking about real estate scams and fraud risks and, you know, how it's, you know, we're online, and, and some of the things you can do to stop it or help it or not get in it, but some of it you just can't. And as we were talking this week, Steve said to me, "Daddy, I'm not even going to tell you, but we almost had a scam this this week. So I just want to start off with that, Steve, because I am like, it's on a cliffhanger. I'm dying to hear what it is.
2: Well, let me tell you, good morning, everybody. And I'll tell you, we always take it very, very seriously. And what happens is when you have a transaction that's like a wedding, You, you, you need a buyer and a bride and a groom. Right? And and what happens is it's not just your side that you have to think about, but the other side. So we had a buyer, Dottie, who's buying a place right. and we and contract negotiations are finalizing and we get the wire instructions. So we have a whole protocol to make sure that everything is in order because the scams are out there, the scammers are sophisticated, and even though we're comfortable with how we do things we don't know how other people do things. Right. And so what happened was, um, in the process of verification, something very odd happened. The wire instructions were sent to me. We're going to change it. And then all of a sudden, my colleague got a call from somebody who was saying that, was, that he was the other attorney, and he called and said, oh, the wire instructions changed. So, Dottie, imagine the sophistication. Wait
1: a second. Start over. So the attorney called. Now, who are you the attorney for, the seller or the buyer?
2: Now, now, now I'm representing the buyer. Okay. I was in touch, so literally Wednesday night, I'm in touch with him and his paralegal, and I said, and by the way, I needed to send the wire instructions, which they did Wednesday night, via email. Okay. But that's only step one, that that's not good enough for us. We do a bunch of other things to verify. But then, this is where it gets fascinating, Dottie, and this goes to show you how in-depth the breach was with the other law firm. My colleague, who was not on the email exchange, but was the one that was calling to verify, got an unsolicited phone call. On the caller ID, it showed the other law firm, and it was from someone who claimed to be the attorney. And he told her, he "said by the way, the instructions you got yesterday have changed. Let me give them to you over the phone." Really? And she and so she goes, and she, and so it's interesting. She was very polite, but also very firm, which was perfect. And she said, "You know, we have a protocol. I'll, I'll take what you tell me now, but it's got to be in writing, and this and that." And he was getting a little annoyed with her. He kept her call, which was fantastic. But then we get an email, but it seemed very odd. Then we get an email from the same paralegal who sent me wire instructions the night before with the exact same letterhead to a T. The logo, the top, the bottom, but a different bank. And so we talk about I'm like, absolutely not, there's something wrong here. Then we try to track them down the paralegals and meetings and unavailable. And we were emphatic. And then finally I got a response via email from the attorney who said, I didn't call. I'm on vacation today. What? Yes. So Dottie, let me tell you, because we were we were so forceful, we literally somebody who is not on the email chain, they figured out, works with me, called them Caller ID, the same, tried to send over wire instructions, and then was able to, through the paralegal's email account on the other firm, send over, had the logo down, everything, gets a different account. So I feel very grateful that we have a very strong protocol. You know, when it comes to security, we always have a philosophy, right? You look at a traffic light, red, yellow, green. Our philosophy is everything is a yellow until we prove it to a green. And until we're satisfied that the yellow becomes a green, it stays yellow and then turns red in this case. And so this would have been a six-figure deposit, which would have gone to the ether by my client if we weren't diligent, which we were.
1: And you know what? You know, Steve, it happens to me that sometimes I'll get – uh, an email, and if you don't really examine it, there could be one letter, one dot. It looks like the same. Like if you don't really, and sometimes I really don't really. It, it could be just a little thing that's different. And so you don't even notice it. So I think that really for everyone, when you get emails and they ask for anything or to send or to call, make sure you look at the email address. Usually sometimes there's just a little differentiation that it's not noticeable if you just skim through it. And if you get a lot of emails, you might just be doing that. So, Steve, now, wait, what did I'm, you do? I mean, You're you-
2: right, but, Daddy, I want to make a very big point. Everything you just said is 100% correct. However, this attempted scam was on a whole nother level because, Daddy, I'm going to tell you something scary. Ah. Uh. The email that we received with the second set of warrant instructions was the identical email. It wasn't off by a letter, which is a classic scam that they use a different URL. Literally, somebody got into their system. And I want to tell people this is, and somebody got into their system and was able to go into their emails. And let me tell you something. This is where people got to be very, very careful about some of the scams. And I want to, and there's a lot of tips and tricks that we have to vet this out, which I'm not going to get into on the radio, but I want to point this out. In the old days, the scam was, get somebody's credit card, go to like a gas station to the self-service pump or something like that. Right. Oh, if it worked, great. Let's run up a bill as fast as possible before they shut us down. Right. So the old days was, once you know, once you got it, the bad guys... They immediately used it until the golden goose was cut off. That is not how a lot of scams work today. They're sitting and they're watching and they're waiting. Think of it like a snake in the grass, or if you're in Florida, you see two eyes of a crocodile in the swamp and nothing else, and everything else is hidden below, and they're watching. And they're watching the email traffic, and they're waiting until they say, you know what? That's the score we want. That's the big deal. That's the big wire that we've been waiting six months for, and this is the one we're targeting. And so, it's look. It's tough for a lot of smaller companies, but you got to constantly monitor because you never know when it's a break. And again, Dottie, nothing on our side. It was the other firm, right?
1: No, I I realize that the other
2: firm had, had the compromise. We have to be vigilant, not just about ourselves, but also be vigilant about the counterparty we're working with.
1: Okay, so in in saying that, Stephen, how would you advise a consumer, whether it be me? How what what questions should they ask? How how would you advise them when they're picking a law firm? When they you know some of them are even not even doing the, okay. How do they? I mean, you can't protect yourself 100%, but what's the best advice you could give consumers?
2: Number one is to ask questions. Don't be embarrassed to ask a question. And if somebody gives you an answer, eh, don't worry about it. Don't accept it. So number one to say... What do you do? What are your systems? Generally, look, look, we're not going to tell everyone every little thing that we do. But generally speaking, what's your approach to data security? How, How is my money going to be safe? How do I know that my privacy and communications are going to be safe? And look, Dottie, you're right. You have major companies that have data breaches, right? I mean, companies that are in the business of data and data protection that haven't breached. So so anyone who tells you they're going to be perfect 100% of the time, they nobody can guarantee it. But then also what you have is are they staffed accordingly? Um how do do they have a whole protocol and how do they go you know in accordance with that? And then also do they have insurance for it? Right? You can have you can have the best you know, oh, yeah, I mean, look, you can have the best, you know, driver of a car. You can have the most, well, look, we have snow, right? We had some beautiful snow recently. And you could have the best run building, but if you don't clean that snow off and ices up, someone's going to slip and fall and you're going to get sued. So you could have the best maintenance staff for your building, but you got to make sure you have insurance too, because eventually they're going to miss an icy spot or something and someone might have a slip and fall and sue you. So you got to have layers, right? It's not just, oh, we know, and that's it. And nobody, I don't care how, it's not a matter of being smart or, vig, you know, just vigilant, y- you know, nobody's imperfect. Every every wall can be breached. So you build it up, you have multiple walls, and then you you be vigilant. And so, and the other thing to remember, it's, it's not just your own side. It's what are they doing? What is your attorney doing to investigate the other parties to the transaction? And, and Donnie, we're real estate's the most targeted area because it's a data-rich environment. You know, you think about those co-op board packages with tax returns and bank accounts and Social Security numbers. Um, you know, the bad guys would love to get that info. And so, really, how that information is collected. And, and stored and transferred and when is it deleted right that's the other question people ask um when and how do you delete things i'm going to give you one other scary story
1: for a oh, second please do <laughs> I'm i mean that's how- but i'm just trying to in my mind i'm saying okay as much as we're aware and you can be aware of this you really have to be on it especially that you know especially with with, with down payments i mean why afford real estate? Why you if, if they get your money, it's gone. I mean there's no recourse right? I mean
2: it's very it's very, very tough unless that they have insurance or so forth. And look, part of it is you want to have a firm that's well resourced. I mean look, I've had my own firm for years, been a in for years now.' It's wonderful. Um, but here's you could have a wonderful lawyer, but one of the questions is if you get hit, do you have enough money to what, what's going to happen and what's going to happen to our transaction? That's It's a big question. So
1: but Steve, I what should, one other- you have to do this though because what questions should someone, and of course we always say don't use your son-in-law who's a divorce attorney, use a real estate company attorney, but what questions would a consumer ask when they're looking for an attorney such as yourself or a law firm, what questions should they ask them?
2: So there's a few ways to approach it. Um, but I'm gonna give I wanna go back to the one thing I want to mention before this for a second. Okay. And to me this is the classic question you know how you go to a restaurant and they put out bread? Right. And you know how if the bread is bad it sets the tone for the whole meal when they put it out? So it's sort of like the classic thing, if they can't get the bread right when they put out before you have your meal, then you should be a little nervous about the meal. Well, one of the questions is photocopiers. And, Dottie, photocopiers are magnificent and different than they were, you know, when we were all younger. Photocopiers now scan the image of what you put in there, store it, and then they can email it, fax it, print it, you know, you name it, right? And so actually that data is stored in the belly of the copier. So one thing that's really scary and that people should ask a lot of companies lease their copiers. I would ask them the question, do you know what the policy is to wipe the data out of the storage device and the copier when you return the machine?
1: I would have never thought of that, Steve. It wouldn't have even entered my mind. So I'm, yeah. that's why I'm saying this is such valuable information.
2: You got to be careful where you, where you copy stuff and where the image is out there. And look, Dottie, you know... For people who say, just given the last few minutes that we've been discussing, forget it. I want to go back to writing checks, right? Someone might say, forget it. I'm just going to write a check. Right. People rip open the mail, and if you look at a check, you have a massive amount of information. You know the name. You know the bank. Most people put their address on a check. You know the routing number. And you know your account number. All that information is right there on a check. So it's not like checks are the safest thing either you know if someone's trying to really um do harm and particularly when real estate with the dollar values are are fast so here are the questions i would ask number one what's your approach you're right ask an open question what's your approach to data security it's all over the news there are hackers there are bad people Right, some banks like so so what's your approach to make sure that everything is in order? Well, that's where I'd start with. And I would secondly ask, do you have cyber insurance? Right? What if there's a data breach and so forth? And then do you have internal and or external IT support that's monitoring? Are your staff trained to be on the look? We spend a lot of time, Dottie, training our staff. I'm not going to get into what we do, but we spend a lot of time to make sure people are on the lookout uh, for these items. So those are the kinds of questions to ask uh, to make sure that, that it's, a, it's treated seriously because there's so many ancillary things that come up when you're doing a real estate transaction.
1: I know. and um, I, I just think that, you know, as I said, I think we should – Over time, continue talking about these things, but just uh while you're on it, just so you know, the we're not going to talk about them today, but the latest and most common real estate scams are real estate wire fraud, mortgage wire fraud, bait-and-switch home listings, hidden property damages. Uh, you know, those we buy homes for all cash. I'm not saying there's not some legit ones, but be careful. Some of them are scams. Real estate investment scam seminars. Text messages from fake buyers. And if you're trying to sell your house on your own, you really have to be very careful. It's another subject for another day. For closure relief fraud and reverse mortgage scams. So, deed fraud. So... That's a lot to absorb. So you need to use a great reputable and I and I really recommend Steve's firm, Casen Casin. Okay. And if not that, make sure it's a real estate. A real estate firm that has enough people and that's what they do, real estate. We'll be right back after a few minutes quick break. And then we're gonna talk about what's going on in your market. And should you sell your house in 2024?
3: Regular price is seventy nine ninety eight for a limited time. You can get this six pack towel set for only thirty nine ninety nine with promo code Joe P. That's a fifty percent savings. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800 call eight hundred six five one O seven nine eight. Use the promo code Joe P to save fifty percent on the MyPillow six pack towel sets.
4: And I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had.
3: Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Unity Bank is dedicated to community-oriented banking and offers a full range of services including business and personal accounts, business loans, and mortgages. Unity has locations throughout New Jersey and in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, expanding its footprint to 21 retail locations. If you're a small business owner, you know how frustrating it is to be a nobody at the big banks. You should be banking at a community bank like Unity. You can have a personal relationship with the president and CEO, my good friend Jim Hughes. Jim asks that you call him directly at 908-713-4306, 908-713-4306, or send an email to james.hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, at unitybank.com, and Jim will get right back to you. You can't get this type of service at the big banks. Visit unitybank.com, FDIC-insured equal opportunity employer and equal housing lender. Unity Bank, growing with you.
0: Welcome to Invite Health's President's Day Sale. The sale is on now. Buy two bottles of any Invite Health product and receive 40% off retail. That's buy two bottles, get 40% off retail. Here's the number and write it down because you can speak with an Invite Nutritionist seven days a week, 800-673-2345. That number for Invite, 800-673-2345. Listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com. Visit invitehealth.com for our retail locations and to set up a free nutritional consultation in person by phone, take advantage of Invite's limited time, 40% off President's Day sale. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. Invite Health. Get healthy, stay healthy.
4: Listen to AM970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com.
0: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Ion Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
1: We're back, and we were just talking about real estate scams, and we'll continue to give you bits of advice every single week, but really stay diligent, and don't send any money or do anything without consulting your attorney and ask those questions. You know, sometimes you kind of feel s- stupid. Well, this is a big investment. You should never feel, s- never feel stupid about asking questions. Ask questions. Um, although I, I there's no way we can protect ourselves 100%, but we can do a better job, and the scammers are out there. I always give you a little summary of some of the markets I think that are, that, that are close in the, uh, on the East Coast. And, um, the New York City market, um, had a good week. And, uh, they recorded seven, 10 million plus deals in the week ending on Sunday. And, um, there were 21 contracts signed that were homes asking 4 million or more in the week ending Sunday. And that was more than last week or the week before. And uh, you are so you know the the, the biggest deal was a uh, was recently asking twenty eight million and it spans nearly five thousand square feet with four bedrooms and it was a penthouse at a celebrity favorite industrial conversion in Tribeca at four forty three Greenwich. So that's really good for New York and I and I really give special preference to New York because they really got hit so bad and they're doing a lot to try to come back. And uh, it's happening. The apartment, uh, New York City apartment vacancy, fell to 1.4%, which is the lowest level in over 50 years. So if you're looking for an apartment in New York City, you better be on it, and you better use a great broker. Uh, If that New York City hit another milestone, just 1.4% of the city's rental housing stock is vacant. Now that's next to nothing. And just so that you know, so you have a reference, a healthy housing market often has a vacancy rate of between five and eight percent. So one point four is uh dangerous. I mean, so it, you know, it's hard to find an apartment. There's no inventory. And if you um uh, if you go around the country and I, and I do talk to people all over, I would say don't ever get mixed up because a lot of places will say the sales are down. And if you don't really think about that, you might think that the prices are down. Sales are down in a lot of areas, not be- but prices are up or at the same pace because there is very little inventory, uh, and that's universal. There might be some pockets where there's more than less, but for most part, there's not a lot of inventory anywhere. As far as the city goes, the tenants facing their worst problems were the low-end people, people of the lowest end, because um, there was just no apartments there. Um, so that's that. I thought it would be interesting to, while I'm doing that, tell you a little about some of the uh, areas that we, we do. Of course, the median price of a New York City home was about $1.1 million. Uh That is nearly triple. The price of national of national real estate markets. So New York is still expensive, and I remember going to these, you know, these meetings with people all over the country and people that were CEOs and everything. And when I'd have to get to Manhattan and do our average sales price, it, it was kind of it was almost bizarre because it is so much different, okay, and so much higher. Uh, rents in New York City previously, you know, were always high, but now there's just no inventory. So, but if you are, uh, the uh, apartments that are going, people want amenities like an in-unit laundry, dishwasher, elevator, and a doorman, okay? By the way, if you're on Long Island, Long Island, uh, and this is called uh, from Redfin, the median sales price of a home on Long Island uh, was six forty nine, and that was up ten point nine percent from last year. Because you know you listen to people, and whoever you're talking to has their perspective. But these are facts. Uh, prediction for twenty four for Long Island. Okay, and you know everything is just a prediction, uh, but it should. It's desirable. It's close enough to the city, and um, it should stay uh, substantially safe and resilient. It it has resilience. In New Jersey, the market experienced a 10.8% decrease in home sales. Now, when I say decrease in home sales, that's not price. That's the amount of sales that happened. Okay, but it had a 13% increase in price. And the reason we've had less sales is there, as Steve said, there's just not a lot of inventory around. Um, at Connecticut, prices were up 13%, okay, and 56.2% of the sales sold at higher than ask. So, I would say it's a competitive market. Oh, and if you're out there looking, um, uh, You've got to be on top of it, and I'll get into it later, but I think if you're going to sell a house, it's the time. There's no, no inventory. Okay? Uh, it's just not, not happening. So, I then looked at, just for the heck of it, I thought it would be a kick. We don't do this often. But, this week's most expensive homes in the United States. Okay? So you had Naples, Florida, which surprised me actually. The most expensive home in the entire ca- country has surfaced in Naples, Florida, with a price tag of $295 million, known as Gordon Point. It overlooks the Gulf. It has nine acres. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, the man that The financier, John Donahue, said he picked up the original acres in 1985, listen to this, for just $1 million before building the family's dream home. And, you know, we all say, gee, I should have bought, you know. But these are people that, you know, took chances and took educated chances, okay? Uh, California had some big ones. By the way, the Plaza Hotel at Pence House in New York, that was one of the top ones. Um, it, it sold for 29 million. Uh a few properties in Manalapan, Florida, which is south of uh, Palm Beach, which is a beautiful area, sold for 38 million. Okay, one sold for um, let's see 39. Okay, so you know, people around there are buying, okay? And, you know, you really want to do research, and you really want to look. But I, I I, don't know. Just my feeling, if you buy right real estate and you don't have to sell, I'm not a believer of all these shows that you see. They flip, and they make millions of dollars overnight. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's very difficult. It's not as easy as people say. Um I just think over the long term, real estate is a great investment, okay? Um, something in Palm Beach sold for $59 million. okay? So people are out there buying real estate. And I think, and I don't, and this is just my feeling, Steve, I don't know how you feel about this, but mm-hmm. we're in a time of uncertainties because, you know, there'll be an election coming up soon and people are not sure which way things are going to go. So a lot of people, when that happens, kind of, you know, they sit on the sidelines and they kind of wait and see. And I believe okay that it makes sense to sell a home right now before the spring rush if you if you only if you're thinking about selling your house in 24. Uh, you know, a lot of homeowners go and say, well, you know, I'll put it on in the spring because you know, that was kind of a, and I think an old-fashioned myth that the spring market was the best market. I think every market's good. Generally, the cold weather season causes home sales to be sluggish, but this winter, it really was different. Um,
2: well, yeah, and no, I, I, I think the, uh, the thing to keep in mind is that, one, it depends on your market. Are you more of a bedroom community where it's very much driven by the school year and family? Or are you much more of a global, cosmopolitan market where people just have needs whenever they have them? So I think the first thing is to keep your market in mind, you know, your primary residence market or a second home market, right? Um, And so those will start tweaking the seasonality um, that you have out there or not. Um, But look, I I think at the end of the day, with the point that you're making is a very good one, there are always people looking, and real estate is always making the news, and you just... Ready to be on it. Um, I, I know we're coming up for a commercial break and, and we can have more on the break. I've really had a time and, and really find that diamond in the rough.
1: You're absolutely going to want to hear about that, okay? Because it's not an easy thing to sell a home, it's a pain in the neck, to be honest with you. But buying one, huh? It's a lot of competition. A lot, there are a lot of people waiting to buy, just not enough inventory. Okay, I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why I think it's a good time to, if you are selling, to sell now.
3: This is Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCareRx. InfuCareRx.com. Improving quality of life one patient at a time.
0: Is your audience aware that a wide range of infusion therapies may be covered under your Part D or Part B Medicare benefit? Some of the therapies that may be included are immunoglobulin, otherwise known as IVIG and subcutaneous IG, antibiotics, parental nutrition, and even specialty injectables and infusibles. InfuCare RX has a knowledgeable and extensively experienced benefit management team who are here to assist you with all your needs. If you receive infusion therapy, it may be done in the convenience of your home. InfuCare RX also accepts most commercial insurances, PBM plans, and Medicaid. InfuCare RX is a nationwide, full-service home infusion therapy provider. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx. And the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance.
4: Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Many students finish college without a clear path towards a career. Do you know a graduate in this position? Well, tell them about Plaza College's accelerated program in court reporting, which allows them to speed their way into the legal field and make great money without going to law school. This is an in-demand, lucrative career with flexibility that more people need to know about. I speak to the district attorney's offices often, and they are in dire need of court reporters. Courts, schools, and television stations are all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. And the National Court Reporters Association has partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu.
3: You. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I'd like to introduce you to the premier business in the investigative and security field in the United States today, Brosnan Risk Consultants, founded by my friend Pat Brosnan, decorated retired NYPD detective. You must be diligent in protecting the business you work so hard to grow, family you cherish, and the lifestyle you've achieved. Luckily, there is Brosnan Risk Consultants to keep your business healthy, keep your family safe, and identify the approaching rising tide of danger and loss well before it destroys what you have built. Brosnan Risk Consultants have been protecting clients for over 25 years, operational in 45 states and over 500 cities, Don't settle for second best. Brosnan is the gold standard in investigative and security services. Call now, 800-590-2180, or go online to BrosnanRisk.com, B-R-O-S-N-A-N-Risk.com.
4: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala of The Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 p.m. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy, with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sam Bellino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at 6 p.m.
0: Tweet us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. AM 970. TheAnswer.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
1: I'm back with Stephen, and uh, we're talking about first fraud and how to watch out for it. And I'm telling you that if you think of selling your house, only if you're thinking about it, I, I think now is the time to sell it, and I just give you some of my thoughts. I guess it's not a science but mortgage rates are falling. Um, you know, in 23, a lot of sellers were reluctant to sell uh, because of interest rates. In late October, rates uh, for a 30-year fixed mortgage reached a 23-year high of 7.79%. And so if you had a low rate that you got during the pandemic, you weren't selling. Uh 24, the housing forecast anticipates that mortgage rates will continue to decline and settle in the mid-sixes by the end of the year. Again, that's a prediction. It's not a science. This, in turn, means home sellers won't lose out as much by trading in their current mortgages for a new one. Okay, um. Another reason, how the, which I have said from the beginning of the show, I think we say it every week, housing inventory is low. It's still low. Um, this It's well under the historical balanced market number of six months supply, and that's kind of uh, an average number that we use, like that there should be about six months supply. The lack of available homes means the property can still be in the center of attention, and they can catch a quicker offer. Um, quality – is always in high demand, so, you know, if you have quality, um, even though we still have inflation, it's down a bit, and sellers can take advantage of inflation still being high because most people can't go out and build the house that you have at a better price. Um, Generally, buyers have to work with the inventory that's out there. More buyers are going to enter the market in spring because, you know, there's that herd mentality. And as Steven said, a lot of times you have children in school and you don't want to pull them out of school in the middle of the year. You want them to finish the year and then try to do it over the summer so that they start the new semester in September. So um, it's timing, Okay. Oh, and uh, you, uh, home sale, you really don't have to work as hard. I mean, you should still do all the things I always tell you to do. Clean your windows, get the clutter out, get the, anything you don't need out of there, paint everything neutral colors. Um, but experts say the first months of the year can be a great time to sell. And if people are out there in cold and holidays, they're really serious. And you might not find as many buyers, but homeowners who list in the winter months, typically um, the ones that are out usually are pretty dedicated because, listen, do you think people were out over the snowstorm? Well, there was. Do you know, and and I just have to say this story, although it has not anything to do with this, but it just really came into my mind. We got hit at the World Trade Center. And I happened to have been on Long Island, and um, I watched it. I was doing a a, a meeting for one of the offices we had. Actually, it was an office in Comac, Long Island. And I saw on TV before I left, the plane hit. It was a clear day. I, at first, wasn't sure. And then when I saw the second plane hit, I said, that's it. But I thought to myself... I better go because I I promised them two weeks ago I'd do their meeting and I didn't do it. I better go. So I drove through that. I, I got to the office. I told everyone, go home, be with your families. I called up the main office and I said, Douglas Sullivan, tell everyone to go home. Tell them to leave right now. And I have to tell you this because I will never forget it. I'm still in the Comac office and I get a call. And a man says to me, well, they let everyone go home from work, so I have time to look for a house. Now, that was when, <laughs> the day that we were hit by the World Trade Center. And, uh, one thing I can tell you, you'll never be lonely in real estate. At the weirdest times, there's always somebody looking for a house. So, um, if you come in the winter, you might have less crowds. I mean, so you, 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 you know, you might have a better shot of at least hearing your offer. Uh, because people still, you know, they have kids and they do it. You know, the spring is usually a little busier. But don't forget, and this is my advice: personal reasons to sell will tr- should trump market uncertainties. So, while timing the market when listing a property, I don't believe you can time. Uh, I don't really believe in timing the market properly, but some say you can. Um, it can work to a seller's advantage. But homeowners should not be dissuaded from listing if they need to move, whether for a job change, in family size, retirement, or any other reason. The primary reason of selling a home is not always financial. Personal needs matter, too. So really, you kind of want to weigh them both out. And if you're a seller, you need to remind yourself, why do you want to move in the first place? If there's a change in their life or... You need different things out of a home. There's always options to help a move possible, and so um, I I see. You know, I don't know if you ask people when you ask your clients or your clients uh, ask about what they think the market is now. What are they? What are they? What is their basic belief?
2: You know, Dottie, it's all over the place. I think it depends on the price point and so forth. But I think generally speaking, there's a confidence in the market. You know. Uh, you know, people are maybe frustrated finding the right item at the right price, um, and that's really important. Um, but I think, you know, people feel good about real estate. They feel good as 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 to real estate as an asset class. Sure, they would like to have interest rates being lower. That will affect affordability. But, Dottie, in some of the transactions that you mentioned, we're in, if you're talking about the New York area, a fascinating market. You have entry-level homes. You have homes that cost more than shopping centers and big buildings in other parts of the country. So you really have the full vertical. So it depends on the neighborhood and the price point. But what's interesting is the people who are, I would say, quote, in the know, people who do real estate, people who are in business, um, there is no fear or trepidation in, in purchasing a home. It's really just finding the right place and that's more of their concern um that's that's what we're finding um finding the right place rather than saying i'm uncomfortable with the market and and that's a great that's a great sign um and so i think as you know rates hopefully adjust themselves i mean you know the latest report was that inflation was not done so uh, you know i don't think we're getting another rate cut rate excuse me rate cut in, in the near future, I, I think that's some time away. And, and as you rightly pointed out, we're in an election year, so that, that always throws a little bit of a variable in there. Um, but the fundamentals are solid, and I look at it this way. If you're able to afford your home and you're able to lock in a fixed mortgage rate at this level, you know, hopefully we will have... Some rate cuts down the road, and then you can refinance out and make the home even more affordable. So I think it's generally positive.
1: Well, as I said, you know, when I started, the rates were so high. I mean, when I, you know, they were 15%, okay? And in those days, when I started real estate, that's how long ago it was. Now when you go to a bank and you get a mortgage, uh, you agree on a rate. And they'll usually hold that rate for 30 days, 60 days, some of that sort. In the days when I started real estate, you didn't get – in other words, if the rates were 12 percent, and let's say you bought a home in uh, February and you're going to close in April – Whatever the rates were right before you closed, a week or two before you closed is the rate you paid. They did not lock in those rates. So you could have so what happened when I started was sometimes people qualified for a mortgage when they began their process. They went and purchased the property, but since the rates weren't locked in by the time they closed, if the rates had gone up a bunch, and they were at that time, they didn't qualify anymore.
2: Well, here's what's really important, Dottie. Is you know that, that's that's a that's a that's a huge issue and a huge one to keep in mind. Um, the um, you know what's interesting is depending upon where you are in the country, there's two or one elements to mortgage contingency. The one element you'll always see is can you get your commitment letter, the contract for the bank to lend. But in some parts of the country, it is custom to say not only will you get your commitment letter, but that your rate is below a certain number. Now, that is not common practice in New York, but in some parts of the country, even if you can get a mortgage, but the rate's above a certain dollar amount, you might have the right to cancel. Um, And that's not something we see here commonly at all in New York, um, but it's something that's out there. And look, just because something is not common doesn't mean you can't ask or negotiate for something, right? It all depends on how the market is proceeding. When it's much more of a seller's market, the buyer has less room to negotiate. But if you're in an area where maybe things are a little bit softer, um, maybe that's a, a factor to negotiate because, at Dottie, you're absolutely right. We're in a market where interest rates are, are really roller coastery, Right. You know, we've had them going up, then they started going down, they tweaked a little up, right? It's very much playing the market. And at a certain point, it's one thing if you want to have a fun weekend in Atlantic City, but, you know, buying a monthly payment for years to come, you don't want to gamble with that.
1: No, now, again, these are just predictions. They're saying that until the interest rates get to 5%, they don't feel there'll be a lot of inventory that people are just kind of waiting. And I don't know if that's true or not because people buy at all times. Okay. But I don't think you should follow the herds. I think that everybody, we, when it comes to buying a home, should look at their own personal circumstances. That's number one.
2: Right? Ab- absolute, absolutely. Absolutely. And Daddy, you know, on that point, I-, I think there's some truth that I'm going to give you an interesting trend. Um, the... Couples that are separating who are still living together, right? There is a trend right now, and this is affecting, and this is another reason why inventory is lower. Look, one of the reasons in residential real estate, unfortunately, divorce does happen, and divorce is a motivator for people to sell the home. And it used to be when people got divorced, they'd put the home on the market very quickly and move on. Because of where rates are, you have a lot of divorced couples who maybe have a mortgage in the 3%, 3%, and if they were to sell, not only will their buyer have a higher rate, but their ability as a divorced couple to get separate homes is somewhat impeded because they may want to live locally, be in the same school district, and their interest rates now in the sixes. So because of that, we've seen a trend of couples that are separating, getting divorced, still living in the same physical house, and that property is not turning over because of interest rates. It's a really fascinating social cultural phenomenon, and it definitely the feedback loop is is keeping inventory lower in a lot of areas around the country.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's tight. So if you if you if you're if you're buying, okay, and you can't find exactly, a, you know what? When I first started, you know. Um, they were training me and they would do, they told me, how, here's what you do with a, you know, a bed, they used to call it the Bed Franklin clothes, because what would happen is, a lot of couples would come in, and the in and you know, all of a sudden, you know, you'd show them the house that they thought that they said that they wanted, and then one of the parties, whether it was the husband or the wife, they had all criticisms, or the husband and wife or the couple buying it or the two people buying it liked it and then they had—they were borrowing money from their in-laws or their parents. Well, when they came in, they axed it. So you really have to kind of, in, in my opinion, you really have to take a piece of paper and that's what I did and put the qualities, the things that you must have that you really can't do without. Like if you need to be in walking distance to a school, or you need to be in walking distance to uh, uh to stores. The thing, if you need three bedrooms, you, 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 and then on the daddy, other you side, the nail put on the head, what you don't have to have.
2: Who, yeah, who's the decision maker? You know, it's so funny when you're negotiating. If you think it's one person, maybe it's somebody <laughs> else. And and that's that's the key thing in any negotiation: who has the real final say? Not the person who showed up first and said, "I like it." But, but who's really the power behind that offer?
1: That's true. Oh, Are we... We're at the... Oh, I, I can't believe how quickly... We're going to continue talking about this and try to give you the most tips that we can because what do they say? The best buyer is an educated buyer. Okay? And the best seller is an educated seller. And uh, we plan to give you as much information as we can to help... Whether you're buying or selling or just kind of watching the market, get the best. Uh, We're going to be back and we're going to be talking about the Florida market uh, because that's actually, that took place. That usurped New York to become the second most valuable real estate market. That's from Zillow. Uh, I think California still remains one. We'll be right back with our special guest to talk about Florida. He's a writer for the Palm Beach paper.
3: The preceding hour of programming paid for